I was hoping that there would be an AI McDonald's girlfriend who loves me and just wants to make sure I'm eating enough. Hello, I'm Mike Merrill here with my co-host Zach Rose to talk all about McDonald's and today artificial intelligence. Mike, the this uh, case study is by Fabrizio de Muro. Did we hear another one of his? That name is very familiar. Well, this one's a, a great one too, and it's called McDonald's Can a Behemoth Lead in an Era of Artificial Intelligence? What a wonderfully topical case study. Yeah, AI's been in the news lately. Let's look at AI because specifically the risk that could lead to the extinction of humans. My mind has been so shaped by the recent arts and culture debate around AI in terms of generating images or fake videos or audio that I kind of forgot about its very business origins in this kind of how to process large amounts of data. I'm a software developer, so I'm like adjacent to the machine learning people and the AI people a little bit. My sense of it is that Anytime someone is talking about AI, you should replace it with statistics and ask, should McDonald's use statistics? Are there dangers of using statistics at McDonald's? I think that's a great way to sort of like take the fangs out of it and approach it for what it is. The intro sets it up really well. McDonald's launches the Velocity Growth Plan in 2017. This is the, not the current CEO, but the former CEO, Steve Easterbrook. And the Velocity Growth Plan has the intention of maintaining McDonald's dominance over competitors, which is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, no one's going to say no to a plan that maintains yeah. dominance. And they do this through restructuring all the stores and delivery and mobile ordering. McDonald's wants to retain its current customers, regain lost customers, and then convert the casual customers into more committed. So yeah, like you said, it's delivery and mobile ordering because they're like, that's how many people are eating now. Let's adapt to that. And I think this is actually pretty well aligned with McDonald's history and their focus on getting you in and out the door and fed as quickly and as thoughtlessly as possible. Absolutely. This feels like the modern day version of a Ray Kroc approved initiative. I totally agree. In 2019, so two years into the Velocity Growth Plan, McDonald's acquires Dynamic Yield, a digital personalization platform. The idea here is to use this app, well, this technology, I guess I should say, that's being used by a bunch of very large companies to create immediate recommendations, one-to-one -one messaging, and sort of manage customer data and use it to interact with our individual customers better. And I want to point out that their plans here, as far as they can like put them in concrete terms, are to do things like you know recommend a coffee to someone who's buying a Happy Meal at 4 p.m. It's sort of like, um, they're obviously not artificial intelligent ideas because they're ones that you could kind of imagine like you know they're not like they're not super unexpected they are based on a very large data set that the ai can kind of cull through and decide oh if this condition that condition and this condition all overlap let's do this or suggest this there's a pretty great summary of mcdonald's background information and history which i just want to completely skip because we've talked about that in almost every episode so let's jump into the Velocity Growth Plan. I, I love these plans. What's the name of the current plan that we're under? Accelerating the Arches. Support for our pillars of responsible sourcing, community connections, sustainable actions, and providing opportunities to communities. I love these corporate plans that are visual frameworks. You can almost like 
you can almost see them. Velocity growth plan, it feels like a, a product that was engineered by the company. I feel like this is equivalent to the architectural idea of a party. It can be a shape. It can be like a phrase, like bringing the outside in or turning the inside out or something like that. And it just guides every facet of the project. It's sort of recursive and multi-level and you should be able to see it everywhere. And I think why it's important is because McDonald's having franchises has to sell these ideas downstream. As much as it is a mandate, they also need to get that buy-in from the local operators. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the Velocity Growth Plan also coincided with remodeling the actual McDonald's locations, which I don't know if you've noticed this, but you probably remember the McDonald's with the mansard roof, the red roof that has like two slopes on it. Those are hard to find now. And the reason is because like they've all been remodeled in the last like five to 10 years. It's crazy. The new shape feels like a Lego project. It's very square, horizontal lines. Very boxy. It feels efficient, but not attractive. It almost says don't stick around. You know, this isn't a kid's place anymore. Because it is optimized for mobile delivery and drive-thru operations, mobile pickups. And it matches the, the sort of like the touchscreen computers inside. Um, before we get into the AI stuff, I want to bring up a term coined by Catherine D'Ignazio and Lauren Klein in their book, Data Feminism, published by MIT Press in 2020. And the term is called Big Dick Data. And their definition here is that Big Dick Data is a formal academic term that we, the authors, have coined to denote big data projects that are characterized by masculinist, totalizing fantasies of world domination as enacted through data capture and analysis. Big Dick Data projects ignore context, fetishize size, and inflate their technical and scientific capabilities. The question is whether we should take its claims of big data at face value or whether big dick data is trying to trick funding organizations into giving the project massive amounts of research funding. That is the best counter case study to explore alongside this case study, because I think we're going to get into some real examples of seeing the failures of some of these initiatives. Let's talk about the first forays that McDonald's made into this space with offering kind of the testing of delivery service in Florida, which they eventually ended up partnering with Uber Eats through those first tests. And then that wider expansion, orders were 50 to 100% larger than in-store purchases. Oh, and a bunch of the orders shifted to more late night, which is, you know, kind of obvious for a delivery app, but it's unusual for McDonald's because it's usually pretty slow. Um they're getting uncomfortably close to my market <laughs> of a big McDonald's order late at night sometimes. The big order is interesting because they've been trying to do that for years. You know, they'll always ask you, and what else can I get you? And what would you like to drink? They're always trying to upsell you. Yeah, the famous line of, would you like fries with that? Right. It's funny that something about the app or online ordering or delivery is making people keep going on their own. Or something in the technology, in the software is better at prompting people than than a person behind a counter. If you're in the store, you're gonna about to get it in your car, you're kind of thinking about the size of it. But when you're in your home, you're not really thinking about, oh, what's it gonna be like to be given and handed both a burger and a nine piece chicken McNugget and a fries. And you know, so maybe it's easier to add a couple more things on. Yes, and I also think you're so free of social pressure. You know, as much as they're trying to pressure you to order more, you're sort of in this like online anarchist free for all and no one's going to know. No one's going to know. And yet they are tracking everything you do, as we'll get into. They are going to know. Yeah. They start with this ordering online. Then they get into restructuring the stores. A big part of this is digital menus inside the stores, drive through areas, and these digital self-serve ordering kiosks. I've never experienced one of these self-serve ordering kiosks. Are they common in New York? Yeah, sure. They're everywhere. Um, they're basically like a big iPhone app. 
have you experienced the recommendation aspect of the, of using the app versus being asked, you know, the classic, would you like fries with that? So a, a bit of self uh, personal history. I don't use the in-store touchscreen anymore because I've switched over to the app. It's easier for me to collect my rewards points. Yeah, the recommendation is interesting. I find myself not wanting the recommendation most of the time. I think I'm I'm sort of a, you know, I like the McChicken, so I'm sort of like. I'm in a weird corner of McDonald's already, and I think they're just trying to recommend me like the stuff that they. It doesn't seem personalized. It doesn't seem like they're they're hooking into things I I really want. They're not looking at the long history of every male in New York that has consistently ordered chicken sandwiches, and then being like, "What else can we prompt to give this person?" It just it feels a little generic. I mean, specifically just. For our listeners, the McChicken is a smaller chicken sandwich than the ones that have been introduced lately. And it's like kind of like the the classic hamburger of the McDonald's chicken sandwiches. I've seen Instagram real things that are like talking about the McChicken people. And I would think that there's some like way to tap into the predictive analytics of McChicken people and the categorization thereof. And again, I'm not paying that close attention. And it's possible that like I'm just zoning out. And I have been getting recommended stuff this whole time. It's hard, you know, it's hard to be 100% sure. The premise of this case study is, should the current CEO, Chris Kamensky, what should he do with this AI technology and how should he utilize it for best effect? Talking about the McChicken people, imagine how amazing it would be if the app connected you all together. That is so not in the McDonald's DNA. I don't think that would happen in a million years. But I think another organization could spring up and find these people. So I'm John Park. I'm Chief Financial Officer of McDonald's Restaurants in the UK. There's a huge amount of information at our disposal and the evolution of digital just provides more and more information where you can actually start to build genuine relationships with your customers. Um, so I think the, you know, the plethora of data, if they're ordering on their mobile phone or on the kiosk and you know exactly what they're ordering and you can tailor offers to those customers and communicate personally with those customers is a really exciting opportunity that I think we're only just starting to scratch the surface of. How we crunch through all that data and really use it to our advantage, I think that's going to be key and, and yeah, we're only just starting on that journey. Getting back to restructuring stores, McDonald's is set to spend $6 billion on the modernization of its restaurants in the destructions of those beautiful red roofs. But this is in collaboration with the store franchises. They basically created additional incentives if you finished your remodel before their deadline. The company would pay 55% of the remodeling costs if you completed it by 2020, but only 40% if it was completed after that. You know, I feel like McDonald's throws their weight around. And this is one way that they can do it on their franchise uh Franchisees or franchisers? I think franchisees. Much like, you know, our cultural institutions of like a Disney, there is an appreciation of an older McDonald's. And it's interesting that that isn't a preserved type or let's save some of this decor, but then still utilize some of these upgrades at the same time. It really feels like an all or nothing. I think it's important also to remember that the original McDonald's does not exist. They have demolished and destroyed all, almost all evidence of early McDonald's history. I think this is in their DNA to sort of pick and choose what parts of their past they want to use and remember, but mostly get rid of it. It's even less future leaning than it is a very present company. Yes. They have no, they, they are very pick and, pick and choose about what to remember. And I think the software thing is smart because whether or not the AI 
pans out in the 20s, the 2020s, it, it sort of doesn't matter. Like the behavioral stuff that people are using the software, I think is way more important and it sets the foundation for the next several decades of McDonald's. The customer facing version feels like the rushed and actually less important part than the back end of where that technology is being used, which we'll get into. Before we leave restructuring stores, just there was a lot of franchisee complaints about McDonald's taking on too many initiatives, also complaining that the redesign failed to address the most significant issues from the franchisee's point of view, which are, and we've talked about this before, employee training and high turnover rates. Do you think the software is going to affect those two things at all? I think it affects the business side of things, but not the labor problems. There has been some articles that I was reading about McDonald's is going all in on automation as it fights labor crisis. I don't think full automation of McDonald's is around the corner. I don't either. And I think that also, even as you take away people like working the counter or working the drive through speaker, it's just going to become one of those, like adding more highways doesn't reduce traffic. It just increases the cars on the road. And it's just going to create more work for preparing all that food. And Easterbrook, former CEO, he comes out and says, we're seeing an encouraging response from customers in restaurants where many of these improvements are already completed. In Canada, the UK, and Italy, where they've done a lot of these upgrades in the menu designs and gone digital and restructured the stores. And he's saying, it's working. We've been doing this for a couple of years overseas and it's happening in the US now. So then we get into March of 2019, the acquisition of Dynamic Yield, which is a $300 million acquisition and McDonald's biggest acquisition in 20 years. You know, in Silicon Valley terms, a $300 million acquisition feels middle of the road or even small, at least in the last decade. What are they really buying? I think they probably bought a company that was their customer, and it, it was more of an aqua hire, both for the people involved, but also the technology. Thinking back on it a little bit more also, it's, this is something they can't build themselves, but they want to be part of McDonald's Corporation. They can't start from scratch on this. Yeah. And so it almost sort of doesn't matter which company they buy. The important part is to to get it in-house. The claims that they're making, I think this is where we get into where some of this stuff falls apart. Like Dynamic Yield is going to offer personalization across digital channels and McDonald's entering into this age of the customer where one size fits all experience isn't going to work. It needs to be able to engage digitally and it needs to be able to customize its responses. Do you think that's really so important? I think it's important to get people using the software. I don't think it's important to really discover and exploit every possible way to cram more hamburgers into their customers. I think the idea of personalization is wrong for McDonald's. McDonald's is a business that exists to sell the same thing over and over and to engineer a process in order to do that very quickly. McDonald's exists as a one-size-fits-all experience. So the idea of trying to change that through digital like magic, I question the ability of McDonald's to pull that off. I question the ability of them to perform miracles. However, I would have to disagree about personalization and McDonald's being incompatible. I think you're right when it comes to customizing the burgers. Have it your way, that's Burger King's thing. But because the menu is so streamlined, it favors composition. It favors, I'm gonna get this size fries with this sandwich and this drink. 
I'm going to get six of those. I'm going to get three of those. I'm going to get four cookies. The streamlined nature of McDonald's really sort of, it fits well with software. They've matched their production kind of back of house process to the way that a user would interact with the software in order to marry those two things together. I'll even go further and say that I think the 20th century ideal of mechanized food and McDonald's, it's a kissing cousin to mechanized information and computers, that they're sort of meant for each other in a deep way. There's this idea that Domino's Pizza is not a pizza company, but a technology company in the way that they have been at the forefront of all of these technological changes and really focused on a lot of this stuff and feels very adjacent to that sort of analysis is looking at can McDonald's merge together atoms and bits? Can they use both of those things in the same way? This is obviously somebody's like big dick data idea at McDonald's is like, oh, wait, what if we scan the license plates? And then we knew when you were pulling into the parking lot and we knew what to order you. PR wise, legally, like ethically, like they should be able to know that that's a bad idea. The experience of using a drive through is often loud and the speakers are bad. And if I pulled up, my order at McDonald's, especially in the morning, does not really change. If it just defaulted to that and then asked if I wanted to change it, that does feel efficient to me. License plate reading in 2023 feels like that's going to be creepy. This is one of those things. If you don't know how this stuff works, that's where it feels magic. When you do know how it works, that's when it starts to feel creepy. The general point here is that there are lots of valid and reasonable and debatable ethical concerns with gathering all this user data, all this data about people on their property and doing things with it. Is it too hard to just say, like, be tactful, be considerate, see what's going on, see how people feel about stuff? You have to start there if you want to get away with this. Speaking about McDonald's being of the times and not pushing forward, I think that's what we're seeing. Whatever technology they're using feels like it's not going to be pushing the customer into an uncomfortable place very often. They describe it as an integrated supply chain. It starts from customer's decision and goes all the way to operational strategy and tactical decisions. The ideal version of this is that the entire system kind of works better both for me as the customer, but also for the franchise operator and for McDonald's corporate, that the system is designed to be more efficient for everyone involved. And one of the challenges that they highlight is in the process of that is what you brought up with customers objecting to McDonald's openly collecting data. How comfortable are people going to be with that? I think what we've seen is that no one cares about privacy. I think it's it's more fair to say that no one understands privacy. On an individual basis, the more you understand and can think through the scenarios of how your privacy might be violated, the more you care about it. But there's nothing like favoring corporate media to explain that to everybody. There's no incentive to get people to think about that, unfortunately. In the car, on our person, in your home, do you think people understand how much of our lives are being collected? What, what else do we not know? Well, big data is the fuel that powers the information economy. It's powered by data that's collected, often to better advertise, but sometimes just to better tailor services to us. Of course, it could be true that some of that data can be misused and that some consumers might not be aware of how it's used. Bigger companies are starting to realize, because of the public pressure and also pressure from regulators, that they have to better be better stewards of the data that they collect. But we need to understand that privacy is a very subjective value and that some people will be very sensitive about it, others not so much. There was another challenge in here where one of these research directors talking about the company was arguing that McDonald's had to expand the capability of its mobile app to include a more sophisticated loyalty reward program. 
which is something I definitely want to ask you about. How have you seen it change and where are you at now? Let me check my app. I think I started using the app in the pandemic and I got a lot fatter in the pandemic. I'm not going to lie. And I'm, I'm working that off now. But as it stands, I'm down a bit. I have 18,000, almost 19,000 points. And a Big Mac for reference is 6,000. So I'm, you know, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. I've only got like three Big Macs. So in preparation for this episode, I turned on notifications. So I'm allowing McDonald's to send me notifications. I've gotten two notifications. They've been the same notification. And it is that the Mets hit five home runs last night, get a medium fry for $1. It's interesting how boring that is, though. It's not a compelling use. That That is certainly not a, uh, much of a form of even statistics. It is simply, thing A happened, send alert. This case study closes with next steps. The question is, how could Kandzinski use dynamic yield to further improve the company's business operations? Gradually, slowly, it seems like it's kind of going to take care of itself. McDonald's bought this company called Apprente in 2019. They also invested in a mobile app company called Plexure. And that and Dynamic Yield, they created a Silicon Valley-based group called McD Tech Labs. Then in 2021, McDonald's just sold its tech lab to IBM. They're still using the technology, but they're just giving it to IBM. It seems like they tried and then they quickly realized, no, we can't do this in-house. And they brought in IBM. Right. I think part of that is very real and logistical. And like, you can't get all these people aligned on the same way as if you just bought a new company. But I think it's also like like a tremendous power struggle to sort of build something from scratch about who's going to own it and what it's going to do and what its responsibilities are. And by acquiring something and bringing it into your company, the leadership who made that decision gets to sort of have more authority about how it's going to integrate and what its responsibilities are. To close out, let's pitch some wild wild ideas for how to use dynamic yield. I would love to see dynamic pricing. Not so sure about that one. I think that that could upset some core customers. I think with the ethical things we've been talking about, people are already irritated at Facebook for making notifications that are like so good and so addictive. Donald's has come under criticism for addictive food, that the food is like too good or something. It seems so easy that they could fall into like a PR nightmare about how they're causing obesity through this Instagram times McDonald's digital drip that they have these kids on. There's a real like danger to being too aggressive with the you know the individual de wheeling and dealing of hamburgers through the app. And the real answer to this question is it's all the boring stuff. Dynamic yield should be used to improve the company's business operations by looking at things like the supply chain and all the interactions up until the customer. Yeah. That said, as much as I want the small gains from McDonald's and like the repeatable learning and the efficiency, I do think they should be taking some moonshots. Like with this GPT stuff, is it possible to have a Ronald McDonald character that's more interactive or BTS, the boy band? They're now going to be embedded in the McDonald's app as sort of like a personality that you can engage with. I wonder how the brand transitions into a more personalized, less personal world that we're going to live in. I mean, again, I think they have to adapt and they are adapting and i just wonder what that looks like on the other side i interviewed today chris kemchinski who's the ceo of mcdonald's so the app for us uh everything is moving to the app i think for us it's been it's been an interesting evolution to see where you know for years and years the center of the relationship that we had with the customer was in the physical restaurant and what we're seeing particularly with 
Gen Z and millennials as it's moving to a much more of a digital relationship. Good luck, Chris. We're rooting for you. Should we do one like um, three, two, one? Good luck, Chris. And then end the episode. Good, Good luck, luck Chris. Chris.